Welcome one and all to the URG On The Go podcast. I'm your host, DJ Harrington, better known as the Cardiologist. This podcast is heard every week from coast to coast here in the United States and over 230 regular listeners in the European countries. This is a, a real, and I can't say thank you enough to all the people. We listen, and please tell your friends about this episode. This is a special, and this is the fastest growing recycling industry podcast. It's truly the voice of the industry, where recyclers listen to other recyclers and grow their business and improve their bottom line. Today is a special because it's the feast of Thanksgiving here in the United States. So my wife of many years has been kind enough to be the guest on this episode. And Sheila is like a little historian. She's good friends with Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House here in the United States. So Sheila, let's talk to our URG listeners about my favorite holiday, which is Thanksgiving, which is coming up in a week. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about the first Thanksgiving. You know, because most of us learned about Thanksgiving through school. And give our listeners a background that brought us to this special holiday. There was a term, and I thank you for letting me talk about Thanksgiving. There was a term called Thanksgiving, and that's the word Thanksgiving with an S on the end of it, Thanksgiving. So the colonists, colonists in New England and Canada and even across the ocean, they, they regularly observed what they called Thanksgivings. And what were Thanksgivings? They were considered like blessings for things such as traveling mercies, having a safe journey to and from, a military victory, or even an abundant harvest. Maybe they celebrated the big, huge harvest they had when they did the harvesting. Anyway, as time went by, they used that word Thanksgiving and modeled their Thanksgiving holiday really from a 1621 harvest feast that was really shared by the English colonists in America and the Wampanoag tribe. Now, the Wampanoag tribe was really comprised of about five local Indian tribes. And the term Thanksgiving really goes a little bit further back than 1621 because it happened in the late 1500s. So it was a period of time where they really did call it Thanksgiving. Now, Sheila, what I want to ask and help share with our listeners, since Thanksgiving wasn't really being celebrated nationally on a specific date, it usually takes somebody in our country, somebody in authority, to make a national holiday. What president took a stand on making Thanksgiving a national holiday here in the United States? Well, it really started with the first president of the United States, President George Washington. And, and that really makes sense because he made a proclamation on October the 3rd, 1789, and he designated Thursday, November 27th as a National Day of Thanks. So that's what he called it, National Day of Thanks. And it was that until about, and for a period of 200 years, they celebrated Thanksgiving for almost 200 years. But in 1863, on the same day as President Washington proclaimed it, 
National Day of Thanks. Then the president, who was during the Civil War, it was Abraham Lincoln. He proclaimed it also a national holiday. So he went a little further, but he named it Thanksgiving Day, and it was to be held each November. Later on, Congress approved that fourth Thursday of the month. Uh, in the month of November as the day to celebrate Thanksgiving. All right. Now, for all of our our international listeners, I want you to know something about this this journey of of our pilgrims. They were traveling long distance board the ship called the Mayflower. Uh, Do you have any idea how many people were on board the Mayflower, Sheila? Yes, Yes, we do. And I have checked this through several sources, and they all agree that there were 102 people on board that ship. When the Mayflower left Plymouth, England, in the, in September of 1620, it traveled for more than two months, and it crossed about 3,000 miles of open ocean. The 102 passengers included three pregnant women and more than a dozen children, so everyone was and I really can't imagine this because we don't have the modern, they did not have the modern facilities that we have on cruise ships today. But everyone was squeezed below decks in a crowded, cold, and damp area. Obviously, there was no heat on there. And damp areas suffering crippling bouts of seasickness and, of course, other diseases. And so the passengers were an assortment of religious separatists seeking a new home where they could freely practice their faith without anybody telling them what they should feel and believe, while other individuals kind of went on this journey with a promise of prosperity and maybe having land and having land ownership in the new world. And a lot of them probably wanted just to start over. But after a treacherous and uncomfortable crossing that lasted almost 66 days, they, they dropped anchor near the tip of Cape Cod, which was really further north of their intended destination at the mouth of the Hudson River. And it really wasn't until a month later on November the 11th and 1620 that the Mayflower actually crossed what we know today as the Massachusetts Bay. And that's where the Pilgrims, as they are now commonly known, began the work of establishing a village and a city at Plymouth. The Puritans arrived soon afterwards, and they brought with them a tradition of, and I like this, providential holidays. So they had days of fasting during difficult and pivotal moments in their lives, and then they had days of feasting and a celebration to thank God in times of plenty. So I'm, I'm sure you know who Newt Gingrich is. He, he, he's uh, written me because I've seen him some pictures before of him at the Braves game. Uh, but for our listeners, Newt is a former Speaker of the House, and he's a wonderful historian. So here's what Newt has said about the pilgrims. These pilgrims agreed on how this new settlement was governed. Their historic covenant began, and get this, in the name of God, amen. Today we know this agreement as the Mayflower Compact. I guess... I missed that kind of information in, in history class because I don't remember that at all. But thanks to Newt Gingrich, I now know that information. Well, all of our listeners, if you came to my home in Georgia, there's a picture of Newt Gingrich sending a note to my wife, Sheila. 
And so everybody thinks we're personal friends, but New Gingrich has corresponded with Sheila because Sheila really is a historian and she's very much involved in politics here in the United States. So let's take a fast break. And listeners, when we come back, I'm going to ask Sheila, what's the difference between Puritans and Pilgrims? Since I was not aware of it. So let's take a fast break and we'll be right back. If you're already a member of URG, let us remind you of the great benefits of being a member. If you're not yet a member, listen up. You'll be surprised at the great benefits available to you. As a member of URG, you have access to a wide variety of business tools such as our Core Value Program, Urgent Control Center, Salvage Auction, and Auto Part Imaging. That's just to name a few. Keep up to date on training with webinars, training videos, online tutorials, and of course, our yearly world-class training conference. This podcast features guests who are experts in their field. So if you're our member, thanks, and we hope you will take advantage of all the features and benefits available to you. If not, we look forward to welcoming you to the family soon. URG, formed by recyclers for recyclers. You have been listening to the URG On The Go podcast. Each and every week, we bring you a new informative episode, like this one here about Thanksgiving. And Sheila's doing a great job. Make sure you download and listen. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, before our break, Sheila, if you'd be nice enough to explain to our listeners I'm kind of confused between the Puritans and the Pilgrims. I thought the ship left, you know, Plymouth, England with a group of Pilgrims that landed in Plymouth Colony with Pilgrims. So what's the difference? Well, it's no problem. Um, Many Americans think the way uh, you feel that the Pilgrims and Puritans are the same people, but they're really not. So I briefly guess I need a little backtrack a little bit here why we call them pilgrims and Puritans. Now, the Puritans did not come over with the original pilgrims on the Mayflower. So the pilgrims, the Puritans, uh, pilgrims came first, the the Puritans came later, sailing on another ship. So here's the difference between the two of them. Pilgrims came to America for an opportunity. That's what they wanted. They wanted to practice their own religion and build a new life for themselves and their families, and they really wanted to find something that where they could start a new life. The Puritans, on the other hand, came to America after the Pilgrims, and they wanted to reform the beliefs of the Church of England. They didn't like everything uh, that the, they were told to believe, so they wanted to reform it. And then when they finished reforming it, then they wanted to spread those new reforms across the world. So many Americans think that the Pilgrims were stuffy, unhappy, plain-clothed people. They wore black-only, black hats, squared collars, and buckled shoes. And we get this really probably from one of the portraits done by Edward Winslow. He, he did a portrait in 1651, and everybody there, women and men, you know, carrying guns, going through the, the harvest, they probably were on a hunt. Anyway, they were all dressed in black and white. So, kind of, you know, when I think about it, dressing in black kind of reminds me of our granddaughter, Haley. DJ, do you remember Haley's first grade Thanksgiving production? Do you remember that day? 
<laughs> yeah, I sure do. I got to tell our listeners. So yes, I'm the grandpa, so she was cute. This was only her second stage performance. I got to share this. Haley was dressed in a long black dress with yeah. a white fur collar and wore like a little nurse's cap on her head. When it was her time to be at the microphone, not like her grandpa, but Haley gets up there and hurriedly, I mean hurriedly, she goes, it's also time to be thankful for people and to love the good things in our lives. And then she hurriedly got off. <laughs> she definitely was not dressed in any bright colors, but she did a great job. You know, I'm the grandpa, because she did a good job. It was so sweet. Haley wore black and white, just as I think the Pilgrims wore, and she surely was the cutest little pilgrim. But I, but I must add that Pilgrims wore everything from green to red and even to orange. And one of the things that I noticed when I was doing my research work that even some of the petticoats would be purple. So they didn't limit their choices based on the natural dyes that were available to them. They, they, whatever they could find, they used it. Um, the pilgrims loved their colors just really as much as we do today. Well, Shiva, and share with our listeners what happened after the pilgrims arrived at Plymouth. And I doubt if they had a good or warm place to live even. Oh, it was a brutal first winter for them. They were on that ship, and most of the colonists remained on board the ship, where they eventually suffered from exposure. Uh, some of them had scurvy, obviously, and then there were outbreaks of contagious diseases and colds and who knows what else. But because they couldn't, they just didn't have time to build anything of any consequence for that many people. About half in that first winter there, about half of those uh, Mayflower original passengers really did not live to see their first New England spring. So when March uh, brought warmer weather, the remaining settlers moved ashore where they kind of received an astonishing greeting from a member of a particular tribe, Abenati tribe, and they greeted them in English. And so there was, and of course, there's really only one person from that tribe that was on, on thing, but he, but they were astonished that he could speak English. All right. So before we take a break, I tell our listeners a little surprise that that one person greeted them. And what, what was the group that was the first Thanksgiving? What was the meal and who did they share it with? Several days later, um, the Thanksgiving meal wasn't really quite what we have today. Several days later, that native uh, returned with another Native American, and that other person's name was Squanto. Now, Squanto, let me tell you about his story. Squanto was a member of the Pawtuxet tribe, and Squanto had been kidnapped by an English sea captain but and was sold into slavery before being able to escape to London. But when he was in London, he heard about an exploratory expedition that was going to go back to the Americas. And so he returned to his homeland, which I'm sure he was thankful to do that. But when Squanto saw the pilgrims and the, their condition, he, he was, he knew they were weakened by malnutrition and illnesses. And so he taught them the importance of cultivating for corn, extracting sap, and showed them how to do that from the maple trees. He caught fish, told them how to catch fish in the rivers. 
and which poisonous plants to avoid. So that was very helpful. So he really helped the settlers forge an alliance with the Wampanoag people. And remember, the, as I mentioned before, the Wampanoag people had five different indigenous, indigenous tribes of people uh, that were in that group. So over the next year, they worked very hard, and uh, they won, they were looking to provide enough food and housing for everyone. So in November 1621, after the pilgrims brought in their first corn harvest, it proved to be so successful that their then governor, William Bradford, organized a celebratory feast, and he wanted them to invite some of the colonies, Native American allies, et cetera, and he included that chief of the Wampanoag tribe to eat with them. Now, that is the feast that we remember today as America's first Thanksgiving. Although those pilgrims sometimes themselves may not have used the term at the time, the first Thanksgiving, the festival lasted for several days, which was huge. All right, Cheryl, let's do this. We're going to take our last break. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back to share what they ate at this meal. Was the turkey stuffing and bumpy comply? Be right back. Recyclers all over the country are saying no to credit card processing fees with axe payments. As part of their cash discount program, when a customer chooses to pay for a part using their credit card, a convenience fee is added to the customer's purchase price. This small convenience fee completely absorbs all fees associated with credit card payments. No more transaction fees, no more interchange, no equipment fees, no fees, period. The yards that have made the switch only have one regret, that they didn't make the switch sooner. So give Sam and the guys at Axe Payments a call today at 877-429-3729 and press option 1. Or visit them online at getaxepay.com. That's getaxepay.com. Hey, guys, mention I sent you, and they'll even make a donation to the URG Scholarship Fund on your behalf. You've been listening to the URG On The Go podcast. I can't thank all of our listeners, and I hope that this special edition of the Thanksgiving holidays held in the United States is being shared with all of you. If you'd like to hear special people in our industry, or you want to learn more about the upcoming URG conference that's going to be in April, April 27th through the 29th in Orlando, Florida. Just dial our hotline number at the podcast center, 706-409-5603. Now, Sheila, you've been doing a great job, and I cannot thank you enough. You're a real history bump act. I would love to know what happened during the first Thanksgiving and what they ate. <laughs> well, I think you're going to feel I think you're going to be a little disappointed. There is no actual record exists of the first Thanksgiving's exact menu. So we we only can go by what journals were written by several different people, and I'm going to mention two of them. One is from Edward Winslow, and I'm going to read. He's that pilgrim chronicler that had that portrait of all the pilgrims being in black and white. Anyway, here's what he said, and I'm par- kind of paraphrasing part of it. The governor sent four men to hunt for fowl for enough to last everyone, some 90 men, whom for three days we entertained 
with feasting firearms and went out and killed five deer and maybe not always plentiful, it was enough for a week. It is not always so plentiful as it was currently with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. So they had lots to eat. But again, I want to mention what Newt Ingrid said in, uh, in he's chronicled in his quote, and it's very short, but he, he chronicled um, William Bradford here, and here's what Bradford wrote. It's a great store of wild turkeys, which were shared between the pilgrims and the Native Americans who lived in the Plymouth Rock area. Now, not a lot of details. But it does sound kind of more normal to us because of us eating turkey. Most of us eat turkey at Thanksgiving. However, I'm wondering about how it was prepared because other historians have suggested that many of the dishes were likely prepared using traditional Native American spices. So I can imagine what that was like, and they probably cooked it using their methods because Really, the pilgrims had no oven, and the Mayflower sugar supply had already dwindled uh, on the ship by the fall of 1621, so I'm sure the meal did not feature any pies, cakes, or other desserts, which is really kind of required, um, sugar would be required for those, which now have become kind of a hallmark of what we have when we celebrate Thanksgiving. But one thing I will say, several of the research things that I looked at said they could have had lobster and maybe even seal and swan. Now, I love lobster, but I don't know about eating seal and swan, but they probably have some of that as well. All right. Now, let's let's do this one. Tell our listeners, when did the first Thanksgiving become a national holiday? In 1941, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed the Thanksgiving holiday into law. And since the autumn of 1621, this is it's really a tremendous act of faith and thankfulness and has been repeated by millions, even people who come to America to join and participate in what our incredible experiment in freedom and opportunity has been. So I'm thankful uh, for all of that. But DJ, I, I you know, yeah, I, you have something else right. you want to say? Yeah, what I wanted to ask you, Shiva, since this is a URG family, uh, I remember your family giving away a kernel of corn to each person <laughs> Thanksgiving table when we went out to your family in Oklahoma. Share with our listeners. I know, you know, Don Porter is the CEO of, of URG, and Amanda and Christian have been on so many of these episodes. Uh, everybody knows Jennifer McPherson because she's the one who keeps the convention going. Can you share with our listeners, and there's a lot of them that are international, Sheila. Tell them a little bit about what your family did with that kernel of corn. Well, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up, I, and I appreciate being able to talk about that because it does bring back – I had a great family, but my mom – my dad would obviously pray, but my mom would have already given out – Two, one to two, maybe sometimes three, kernels of corn, whatever she could find. And she would place it on the plate of each person sitting at the table. And as we went around the room, we would take one of the corns and we would 
we did it several times, but we would take one of the corns and, and place it on the table, revealing to us personally what person or thing that had happened to us that we were most thankful for during the last year. You know, sometimes there were tears, sometimes laughter, but it set the mood for a meal of Thanksgiving, which is really what Thanksgiving's about. You know, Thanksgiving means a lot more than just eating turkey, cranberries, and pumpkin pie to the American people. And our country's been through a lot, past and present. We've had a lot of challenges, but we've remained blessed in the freest, the strongest, and the most prosperous nation on earth. And we really have so much to be thankful for, for our businesses, for URG, the recyclers, Don Porter and his team, Jennifer and Amanda. We just appreciate all of them so much. You know, DJ, it's been my pleasure to be on this and discuss Thanksgiving with you. But one last thing, I just wish everyone a happy and blessed Thanksgiving. But one thing, don't burn the turkey. Oh, brother. And here in the United States, I don't know about in the European countries, but our turkeys here in the United States this year was up 34%. I wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. I thank you for listening to the podcast, and I thank the family at URG. We'll see you on the next podcast.